Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. My guest is Kim Jurgensen, who is a PhD candidate at Rose University, where she's researching gender inequality in the context of conflict-related sexual violence. And she's penned a really magnificent piece. It's called Gender Equity, a Pipe Dream, Unless Men Relinquish Their Patriarchal Dividend. So, Kim, um, one of the things that I, I think we need to work on, so we've got, you know, civil society up in arms. We've got all the right noises coming through. We've got now money also being thrown at the issue. But what are we going to do about the attitudes? So we had a conversation yesterday on this very platform and many people, in fact, gave me flack because they were saying, I'm not willing to hear them when they say, but women provoke us. So that argument still comes through, believe it or not, Kim. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and one finds it alarming that we can even have a conversation where people who sound like decent human beings who declare up front, I'm not an abuser, but I also right. believe women right. provoke. How do you respond right. to that? Look, you know, I mean, instinctively, I recoil at that kind of argument. Mm. But we have to face the reality that there are a lot of men who genuinely don't see that there's a problem with that. Mm. So they don't see there's a contradiction between saying, I'm not an abuser, but mm-hmm. that anything that follows the but must contradict what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So I think it is important to find space to have those conversations. And that's why, you know, I kind of welcome these 16 days. I welcome days like International Women's Day, National Women's Day, because I think it allows us to sit down and focus and have those important conversations. On the other hand, I always think that the biggest thing that we can do for women is to empower them. So when you give a woman agency to make a decision, you give her that power to make that choice to say, I'm staying in this relationship no matter what he says, or I can get out of it because I have enough money, I can feed my children, I I can pay for transport, I can have a roof over my head. So I think there's a two-pronged approach. I do think these are important conversations. And, you know, if you're going to change anybody's mind, you've got to meet them where they are. You can't kind of, you know, we might want to take this sort of high ground that says it's, it's unacceptably shocking that people in this day and age can say, I'm provoked to hit somebody or women push me to do this. But there's a reality that a lot of men use that as an excuse. And it also gets back to your earlier question, Pamela, about what can men do. Men should be having these conversations. So men should be talking about this when they're on the golf course and they go to the soccer stadium and they're in a bar. They should be having these conversations to say, actually, you know, guys, there's no excuse. There can never be a but. There can just be a, a not, and that must be the end. So I think it does allow space for men to start playing a more active role. But it always, for me, comes back to the issue of how empowered are women. Mm-hmm. Yes, because, because even when those conversations happen, how threatened do women feel when confronted right. by those voices, which, which I think for me is part of the problem. Well, I'll open right. those lines, 891 Let's go to, I think it's Johnson. Johnson, you're calling us from Welcome. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Johnson. Yes, thank Hi. you. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I, I, it's a very interesting discussion. I'm always perturbed by the generalizations that are made for, you know, the sort of Saharan uh, population, for example, like uh, how women are treated across board. 
for for you know pay pay parities or disparities, especially you know compared to what is happening within South Africa, it might be a good idea to practically find out if this same phenom- phenomenon you know occurs elsewhere. Because all right, I so so, so Johnson, my, let me give it to you because yeah. I didn't I didn't give it to you because of context, but the the stats are also indicating other places. So for your benefit, let me give it to you. So sixty one years it will take the Western Europe area, uh, seventy years in South Asia, and in the Caribbean seventy four years, mm. and one hundred and thirty five years in Sub Sahara. So it's just because I didn't uh, I didn't raise it, but the the stats are there. North America, North America, 165 years. So we're actually not even at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, 165 years in North America are are what the stats look like. Is that that equal work for... Correct. Equal Equal pay pay for for equal work. Yes. Correct. Because, uh, I mean, how, 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 I wonder how that that sort of study is done. Because if you, if you do a questionnaire directly to to people who are at a job, Mm -hmm. In, in in many countries, you find people people who say that we pay we, we get the same pay with my my, my colleague who is a, a female or a male. But but you know, for instance, Johnson in in South Africa, let me stick to the scenario of what we know here. The, the the idea of openly discussing people's paychecks it's not it's not it's not open and 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 Correct. open to everybody. So. I, I wouldn't know if my male counterparts earn more. So these kind of stats are really uh, put together from data that is, is put together by HR departments and so on. So, and, and as I said, it's not only stats for South Africa, the stats are for everybody. And, and as I said, we're not at the bottom of the barrel. Um, Northern America, it will take 165 years. In, South, in East Asia, 171 years. And these are purely numbers that are put together by the data that exists right now. Yeah, but I think yeah, there's a lot that runs through culture as well, because from where I come, mm-hmm. pay pay for equal work or for work for for similar mm-hmm. work for pay for 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 similar work. Really, it, we we hold to esteem a lady who who has excelled in class, for example, and gets a job the same as a male who does the same, and we we know that they'll be paid the same same, same salary as well. They really take it as an honor to have a lady uh, at that, uh, that same level. So the, the, the idea of disparity, for example, to put it as sub-Saharan Africa, I think it's much more of a generalization. I must be uh, honest, Elvis, let me just correct you there. To be quite honest, this is not the only survey. These are the number and number of stats that have been coming through. And this gender pay gap is a thing. It's real. It's it's not a fallacy. It's not a generalization. It's not that somebody is thumb-sucking it. It's not because women are just mad. These are real stats. No, it's, no, it, those I, are I facts. understand it. I understand it, actually. Within the South African context, I would probably... I will t- take it on. I mean, yeah. maybe Sada. Mm-hmm. But if you go to Central and Eastern Africa, you, you might I not see. find the, I same, see what you mean. The, same, the same picture. And and I must also say, East Africa is not on these on these numbers. So um, perhaps they're doing much much better than many of these countries. So you know, um, East Africa. Is no, not I was just yeah because I was just referring to sub the the, the notion of sub Saharan Africa. You see that is. Where your your host well, was saying 135 years for mm-hmm. sub-Saharan Africa, and, uh, and that's why I picked up a, a phone and called my colleagues, uh, you know, in Central Africa, and they say, no, we 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 get parity. We no one can tell us that we 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 have worked hard, and we're going to get less than our counterparts.
Okay, well, that's obviously a, a good news story from the Central Africa. But um, as I said, we don't have those stats here. Well, I'm giving you the stats that we, we have. Um, thanks very much for that, Elvis. Uh, let me go to Tatenda, who's calling us from Durban. Good afternoon, Tatenda. Good afternoon. How are you, Pamela? Well, thanks for calling, Tatenda. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I just wanted to contribute on um, the attitude uh, aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, women are provoking. <laughs> uh, I would want to say women are provoking. Uh, that's nature. That's how it is. But I would like to give a free advice to my fellow men out there. As they speak, as women provoke us, why can't we just calm down and relax as the head? We are there to control all the time. In as much as women uh, provoke us, say this and that, us as men, it's a sin that's just keeping quiet and solve the matters later. I'm talking about people who are in uh, relationships, people who are in marriages, uh, so that maybe we can avoid uh, this uh, other uh, problem. Men should just control their emotions. When women speak, we keep quiet and solve matters later. Tatenda, I'm going to ask maybe if you can just hang on a second because I do want Kim to respond to you. It is time for us to go to the headlines so that uh, we give you enough time to engage with Kim. It is now 1.30. I want to go quickly to Utsi Lesaku for the latest headlines and I'll come back to all the calls. I do see your calls coming through there. We continue to take your calls on 0891-104-207. Before we went to the headlines, we were in conversation with Tatenda and his statement was, women do provoke. Um, And he went on to say there's no excuse. Kim, I, I said I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond. you want to respond to that? So maybe just quickly to say, Pamela, that I think part of the problem we have is the language we use and how we describe situations. So there's no such thing that all, you know, women are provokers and men are aggressors. There's nothing essential, there's nothing biological about us that makes us like that. When people start describing relationship problems as women are provokers, it paints a narrative that says this is how it plays out. Women nag, women provoke, women push men, men respond, they raise their hands, they attack women. And I think that's part of the problem is there's nothing like women are provokers. These are just relationship issues. And, I, you know, I like what the caller was saying that men don't have to respond in that way. In the same way, men don't have to paint women as being provokers. Men have to recognize we're grown-ups, we're in relationships, things are difficult sometimes. How do we work it out as adults? And part of the reason why I wrote this piece is because I know there's a lot of talk now on how we teach our children in school to respond to conflict and especially how we focus on boys and the kind of things that they're doing and how they're responding. But that's generations away. What do we do now? So I think those conversations are useful. It's useful for men to be saying to other men, you don't have to respond in a violent way. What's difficult for me is for men to still be saying women are provokers. Tatenda, you want to have a last bite at what Kim said? Yes, um, right. Uh, I'm, that, I'm not like putting it uh, in an umbrella term to say, okay, all the time women are called, but I'm just taking it through that side, through my own experience. Okay, a quick story. My father, uh, I grew up with my parents, and when my mother sees or they have got uh, a problem, I would see my father keeping quiet, solving matters after a day or so, and um, I never saw them fighting which made me today to say, no, I can't raise my hand against a woman, even if she speaks, uh, even if she makes 
I'll never ever raise my hand on a woman. I'll just relax and tell me later that he went up. Uh, I didn't like this, this and that. Why don't we solve this in this way? So, and you see that you have peace. And that, uh, 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 that's one of the reasons why we are continuing to have these problems. Because us as parents, we are fighting in front of our children. Right. When the children grow, they already grew up in this same environment where we solve matters in a violent way. So they'll go out there, they get girls, and if they don't agree or if the girl cheats, they end up in a violent way. So I'm not supporting doing those things, but I'm saying the way we solve matters, let it be after we are calm, after we are settled, not when we are angry. Let's right. not deal with situ- situations when we are angry. Thanks. Thanks uh, very much for your call, Tatenda. Quickly go to Elvis now in Midrand. Elvis, you're the last caller. Hi. Hi, Pamela, and uh, your guests and the view and the listeners. Hi, Elvis. Um, you see, the challenge about this issue, it breaks my heart um, because the whole thing that we talk about is the stats, and we forget about how we relate to each other as humans. You know, because... Uh, People are brought up in a certain way. They say there is a head of the household. And uh, you'll find that when you talk about South African scenario, is that a head of the household is a man. And then who's the tail? Why? Why? I mean, I'm, 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 I'm raised by a woman. I mean, uh, a single parent. Mm-hmm. You know, my father was not there. But I knew my mother's got all the capabilities. And then we need to respect them and their views. But the problem is there is no equality. I mean, if you go into households, the decision-making is made by men. For women, why? Women's issues are discussed by men for women. You know, we can't have such things. In, the, in, in South Africa where women issues, things that touches women, men decide for women. It, it, it's never going to work. That is why in this country we have so much inequality on the basis of how decision is made. You see, and the worst part is that who teach us a lot of the things, believe me, if you are a South African, you've observed, apart from the states all over the world, is that I thought I was raised by a single parent with a mother. And if you look at the state in terms of South Africa, uh, you find that a lot of um, boys and girls are raised by women. And who teach them how to respect each other? It's women. And for some reason, believe me, I've had many a times when people disagree as boyfriend and girlfriend, somehow their mother advised them to discipline them. You know, and it's not appropriate. But my point that I'm going to make is that we need to involve women in decision making. We cannot have a, a boundary between a man and a woman. When you go into households, we have what in a house, uh, a head of the house. And when decision is made, men insist. They don't want even to hear the views of their wife. You know, my word is final. How do you have a relationship that goes like, my word is final? When we come together in the name of love to build family where we have children. You know, in the past when I went to school, they told us about 46 chromosomes Mm. uh, from a man (laughs) and a woman. So when you have children together with a woman, you must sit down as husband and wife and make decisions and then you move on with life. You cannot have a wife where a man always decides for a woman. That is a problem. You mm. see? Elvis, I and mean... In this country, they're even asking, they say, uh, let's say 50-50 uh, in leadership. 
you are asking. You know, there are certain things that you don't ask. The reality, we know the numbers. I'm even told that in South Africa, we have more females than, than, than males. And as a result, when they vote, what happens? You know, females vote for males. Mm. <laughs> and you ask yourself, why? It is because the way they were taught and raised. You know, when you go to the household, the mother yeah. tells them that uh, if your wife be- misbehaves, uh, you must smack her. And then that's how it's going to happen. Look at the movies. When you watch movies or South African series or dramas, it's the very same thing. You know, they teach our children through movies, uh, at school, uh, everywhere, that this is how they need to behave. So you know, from the TV. Elvis, I, I'm so encouraged by your impassioned call and I'm encouraged by your rage. But I can also tell you that there is privilege in you as a man calling in and having that rage. Because I can tell you mm. that if any one of us, Kim and myself, raised our voices mm. in exactly mm. the same way, there will be a barrage of phone calls like there have been in the last couple of days telling us we need to stay in our place. Thank you very much, yeah. Elvis, for that. Thank you very much for Thanks. that. Kim, I mean, you've heard him. Uh, let me take a quick break and then we'll come back and I will get your response after this. At SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. So I'm in conversation with Kim Jurgensen, who, Jurgensen, who has penned a really compelling article, Gender Equ- Equ- Equality, a Pipe Dream Unless Men Relinquish Their Patriarchal Divide. And Kim is a PhD candidate at Rhodes University where she's researching gender inequality in the context of conflict-related sexual violence. And obviously we are having this conversation partly because um, the 16 Days of Activism was launched yesterday. We had a conversation there. Lots of people called in with different emotions and um, we are opening it up again today and and we are interested in hearing what you have to say because it's all of us that actually have to be responsible for how this is going to end I will take your calls on 0891-104-207 Mr. Mazubugo, thank you so much for your patience good afternoon Good afternoon uh, ladies uh, this is a subject that is very close to my heart mm. <clears throat> I do have a girl child and I'm a married man mm. Now, in my view, I would say that this is a discussion that requires, you know, scholars from other fields, because I'm saying that for only one reason, that when you read the Bible, the Bible says women have to submit to their husbands. Mm-hmm. And again, that is, that is the definition of that. It's, it's very broad. Mm-hmm. So that is why I'm saying that we, we, we need scholars from, you know, other, other fields. To, to sit in the table and begin to, dis- to, to discuss this matter. And further than that, in terms of uh, 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 the, 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 the belief that women are emotional, women trigger men, I've always believed that education is very, very important. The, I'm saying this, uh, I'm asking myself a question in terms of what do you do as a man when you find yourself in a situation that is classified as a woman is putting you under pressure, and you have to react in a particular way. Why men cannot manage that process, Ma- manage the same emotions? You are told that the woman is emotional, they trigger men to beat them, but why men are not then capable and able to, to manage that process instead of ending up beating a, 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 a poor woman? Why, do, why, why, why would men go to, to those extremes? So I'm saying that education is important. Mm. And another thing that is extremely important, we are sitting and discussing these issues. There are 
young men who are running around the street mm. who do not have fathers. Now, who is going to teach those young men? Because we are 16 years adults and mm. discussing this, mm. and these boys are fatherless. Mm. You understand know what I'm saying? Mm. We, we again expecting men again to be in the driver's seat to drive the teaching of, of raising these young boys to respect women, you know, to protect women. It's very important. Women should be protected by men. This doesn't necessarily mean that they are weak. No. It is, it is, it is, it is like that. Because if the minute you cannot protect women, then you abuse them. Now, uh, how do you then abuse uh, uh, the person whom you call that you love? So all I'm saying is that education, what do you do at the time of the heated moment? Do you respond by between a woman or you manage the process? Was managing the process, it, it, it gives you a, 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 an upper mental ability of saying, she's emotional, so therefore how do I respond to emotions? Mm. You manage it. Yes, yes, this is my contribution. Yeah, a really wonderful call, Mr. Mazubugo there, who's a father, who, who's just obviously toying with all these issues here as well. So I'll tell you what, um, many of us have been, we've been getting a barrage of calls to say, well, are you going to take this further and so on? We will. I mean, we we are committed to this and we'll continue with this kind of conversation. But I want to give uh, last words to Kim and I do see your calls. I will come back to them. I just have to go to Cape Town. We've got another guest waiting for me, but I want to give to Kim um, last chance to respond to some of the calls that you've been hearing, Kim. How do you reflect on those? Great. So let me maybe make two points quickly, Pamela. The mm. first point is I think you hit the nail on the head with the previous caller, um, the one before the break, where you said, I love your passion, but if it was one of us, the response would be different. Mm. And I think a big part of this discussion is men recognizing their agency, men recognizing that when they raise their voice, when they use body language, when they respond in a certain way, they don't get the same kind of judgment that we do. So that would be the first thing. And the second thing is I always find it very interesting that no matter what the topic is, on your show and throughout media, we have a lot of male callers. I mean, we've only had men phoning mm-hmm. in. And it would be very interesting for me to hear the voices of women, women's experience, women who've come out of abusive relationships, women who are in abusive relationships. So what are they saying? What are their stories? You know, there was an interesting study done some years ago that said when you have a public talk, if the first person to ask the question is a woman, you are likely to get a lot of women participating. If the first person is a man, it's unlikely that women will participate. And I think it's also about encouraging women. We want to hear your voices. You need to grab these platforms. You need to put yourselves out there, all of us. We all have to take the plunge. For some of you, like you, Pamela, it's kind of riding a bicycle. It's easy for you to be on the public platform. Not for all of us. (laughs) And I think women need to recognize, you know, being on the radio, phoning in, writing pieces, putting your voice out there. It's a very important part of changing this public discourse. I just have to add to what you've just said, Kim, and, and, I, and I asked myself this question a few times before, and I've, I've come to understand it differently, actually. And I'm, and I'm going to put it, you've just said, you, it must be easy for you. Let me just actually tell you, it hasn't been easy. I have mm. been bombarded with angry, very violent calls by men on this platform who feel threatened by somebody who thinks differently to them. So right. there, is, there is an open discourse about we can differ. But the the manner in which it comes through, it is so violent that one right. has to ask the question, 
is it even worth it? And therefore, I want to ask this question. I now understand why women speak less. I I do Mm. get it. I understand it. If I can be threatened in my workplace for the job that I'm supposed to be doing in the manner that it comes through every single day, one has to wonder what about that woman who, after putting the phone down, will be even given threats in the home. Oh, is that what you think? Oh, you've just embarrassed me on public radio and so on and so on. So it is compounded. And I, I wonder if some men consider what impact they have when they do have that kind of violent reaction to us even raising an issue. And it happens mm. often. And so when women don't call, I actually get it. It's just by way of protection. Yeah, you make a good point, Camilla. I can't argue with that. Kim Jerkinson, who has just been our guest here, a really compelling uh, article. We'll tweet that article for you. She's a PhD candidate at Rhodes University, allowing us to just unpack some of the issues that we, we need to be dealing with. And the article is penned by her. It is called Gender Equality, a Pipe Dream Unless Men Relinquish Their Patriarchal Divide. That will be available also as a podcast.